Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been to one of our labs before? You've been to the Bible study lab or the prayer lab. So here's what we do. We're doing an evangelism lab during our D-Now, and here's what we do. It's great to learn about the Bible, but does anybody know what James says about the Bible? That if you just are a hearer of the Word and you're not a doer of the Word, you're like someone who looks in the mirror and forgets who you are. So it's not just good enough to learn about reaching out. What good is it to learn about reaching out if you don't actually reach out? Not really worth it, is it? Okay? So tonight, we're going to learn about reaching out, and I'm going to give you some ways that you can share the gospel with people. I think a lot of us want to, but we don't know how. So if you've, some of you have already, somebody hold up the whiteboard on your table. If you've got a whiteboard, just hold it up. Okay? So keep holding it up. Keep holding it up. I want to see, hold it high. So Dylan's holding this whiteboard, April's holding this whiteboard, Ainsley, George, Kaylee, Trey, hold your whiteboard up, Trey, Blake, Victoria, Jed, Grace, Cassidy, and Gavin. You are the official, the official whiteboard person of your table. <laughs> okay? So there are going to be some times during this session here. There are going to be some times during a session that I'm going to ask you a question. And that little green little laboratory thing is going to pop up and there's going to be a question. And when I ask you that question, here's your, here's your task. Your table has to come up with an answer. Your table has to come up with an answer. And once your table comes up with the answer, your designated whiteboard person, in this case George, will write down your table's answer and then we're going to kind of compare some answers. Okay, so you got your whiteboards ready. Now, don't leave your whiteboard person out to dry tables. You got to give them help. It's not their responsibility to come up with the answer. It's your responsibility. Okay, so we're going to talk about evangelism. It's a big fancy word. Anybody want to tell me what you think that word means? What do you think the word evangelism means? Say that again, Blake. Good news. It means good news. What makes you think it means good news? Because it says it on the paper. That's a really, really, really good answer. Um, if, you, if you're a nerd, how many of y'all here are nerds? Put your hand up if you're a nerd. It's okay to be a nerd. Be proud to be a nerd. But the word that we get gospel from in the Bible is the word euangelion. You can even see how it was originally spelled in the Greek on your paper. It's pretty impressive, right? But this word, literally translated, means good news. So the gospel is the good news. So the, we get evangelism from this word evangelium, which means good news. So evangelism is telling someone the good news. Now, is that good news that the stock market's up? Is that what the good news is? Somebody help me out. What is the good news we're supposed to tell people about? Hold on, Matthew had his hand up first. I'm getting my workout. I'm getting my steps in tonight. Jesus. Well, the good news is Jesus. Jed wrote down Christ. That, that's good news, but that's, if, if I don't believe in Jesus, I say, okay, there was a person named Jesus. Wow, big deal. There's a person named Hitler too. Should I be excited about that? Why is it good news? Why is Jesus good news? George on the cross for and saved us from our sin. Oh, George. Give it up for George. 
Okay. If you look at your notes, you'll see this. Why evangelism? 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5 gives us one of the best definitions of what the gospel is and what it means to share the good news. It's this. I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ, three things here, died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. So simply put, the evangelism is sharing the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? That's a good thing to do. So here, let me, let me ask you another question. Can anybody tell me what Jesus' last words were to us? You don't have to get it perfect. I saw two hands over here. Trey or Jordan, which one of y'all wants to... Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. Give it up for Jordan. He did a very, he, he was on it. I think Trey was on it too. Why evangelism? Because Jesus commanded it. Look at this verse underneath this, Jesus commanded us to do so. Three gospels. The gospel of Mark. Um, the book of Acts, which is a continuation of the gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew all give an account of Jesus telling people right before he went back up to heaven, he died, was buried, was resurrected, he was with his disciples, he went back to heaven, and Jesus, his last, last words are very important, aren't they? The last words somebody tells you are very important. Jesus' last words were, go and make disciples. In, in a in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he said, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In Acts 1.8, he said, You'll be my witnesses. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, that's kind of the most detailed account of what he said. He said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. So here's our first whiteboard moment. Are you ready? First whiteboard moment. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? You're going to get like 15 seconds. You ready? Go. What is the command for Christians in 2017? What is the command for Christians in 2017? What is the command for Christians in 2017? Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so over here, Ainsley, go and make disciples. Dylan, to be sent. April, who was cheating, make disciples. Shut up, Wyatt. Um, <laughs> go out. Go and make disciples. Go and spread the word. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go, go. What we got over here, gentlemen? Well, I want to see your whiteboard. Oh, you guys are a failure. No, uh, I'm, just, I'm just joking. They got it. They got it. Go and make disciples. And the Jimmies over here say, go make disciples. Um, so the, the, most of you got it. The command for Christians is go and make disciples. Go and make disciples is actually derived from one Greek word. So go and make disciples is not, they're not two different commands. Jesus doesn't want us to just go and run around with like chickens with our heads cut off. He wants us to go with a purpose, right? Go and make disciples. Here's the next one. I've got back-to-back, back-to-back. 
whiteboard questions. So get your whiteboard cleared off. Just use your hands if you have to. Spit shine it if you have to. Um, this is going to be one I really want you, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to think about this one. Actually, yeah, I'll give you 30 seconds. If the command for Christians in 2017 is go and make disciples, this is kind of one of those, that, it's a little convicting, but I want you to think about it. What do you call a Christian who is not involved in the Great Commission? What do you call a Christian who is not in the act of trying to make disciples? You got 30 seconds. All right, five, four, three, two, one. Whiteboard's up. Whiteboard's up. Whiteboard's up. I'm going to start over here this time. Victoria says disobedience. Ooh. Matthew over here says lazy Christian. Cassidy says disobedient, parenthesis, loser, parenthesis, fake. Um, Jed says a poser. Grace says a couch potato. Blake says disobedient. Oh, George says not a disciple. Kaylee says disobedient. Trey says lame and disobedient. April says lame, disobedient, and spiritually fat. Uh, Dylan says lazy and unresponsive. And Ainsley says disobedient, dead, and then gives a little cross-eyed, you know, dead, dead emoji thing. So, so it, it's, it's not a, it's, listen, it's not up for us to decide who's a Christian and who's not. Only God knows that and only God can make that judgment call. But here's what I can tell you. Someone who is a Christian and claims to be a Christian and is saved by God, who is not making disciples, who is not actively trying to make disciples, is what many of you said, disobedient. There are a lot of people who act like Christians and have a lot of people convinced that they are good, God-fearing Christians. But if they are not making disciples, think about this. If you're a teenager, because God did not say make disciples unless you're a teenager. If you're a teenager, sit on the couch, right? Jesus said, go and make disciples. Teach them to observe all I've commanded you, which is like, kind of like a cycle, right? Make disciples who make disciples. If we're disobedient in this command, and this is one of the central commands of Christ, do you think we can be in a right relationship with God if we're not following one of his last and most central commands to us? It's kind of like an owie moment. It was for me when I was thinking about it. Um, so why evangelism? Because Jesus commanded it. Also, because we have Christ-like compassion. Look at this verse. Jesus was with his disciples, and it says in Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease. And when he saw the crowds, Jesus saw all these crowds, it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he turned to his disciples and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So here's, we got another question for you. We're hitting bam, 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 bam. Here's the next question for you. you got 30 seconds for this one. It's a two-part question, okay? It's getting real. Think about this verse, and I want you to answer this question. Who slash what is the harvest? 
And where is it? Where is the harvest field? Who is the harvest? Where is the harvest field? Go ahead and you got like 20 seconds. Because I gave you a little bit of lead time on that one. You got like 20 seconds. Trey's already on it. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, we're going to start over here in the middle this time. We'll start in the back with Kaylee's uh, whiteboard. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you're still working on it. I'll, I'll start over here with Trey. Trey says, who is the harvest field? Unsaved people. Where is the harvest? Everywhere. I think that's a pretty good answer by Trey and his group. Um, let's go over here. The harvest is unsaved people. The harvest field is the world. That's good. The harvest is lost souls. The harvest be everywhere, brah. Um, <laughs> who's the harvest? Us. Where is it? Everywhere. The lost and dying are the harvest, and they're wherever you are. I like that. Blake, can you turn yours around here? Um, the harvest is the unsaved is the harvest, and the world is the field. I like that. The Jimmies have to say um, the harvest is unsaved people, and they are in all nations. Jed has it real succinct over here. He says everyone and everywhere. Uh, Matt, Matthew says, unsaved Christians are the harvest, and they are everywhere. I like this one. Cassidy has it very succinct. Where, who, are the, um, who is the harvest? The lost. Where is the harvest field? The world. Grace's board says, the harvest equals the unsaved, and where are the unsaved? They are everywhere. You guys got it again. Give yourselves a hand, because you guys are just, you are on it tonight. He's looking at people. Jesus is moved with compassion. So why do we reach out to people? Why do we share the gospel with people? It's because we have compassion for them. It's because we see people like Jesus did who are harassed and helpless. People who desperately need to have new life. And we're, we have compassion on them and, and we want them to, to know Christ. The next one. The love of Christ compels us. This is one of my favorite verses. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I put the whole long passage in here. Um, we're just going to read the first verse. It says, the, life of, for the love of Christ compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. We're compelled by what? The love of Christ. Um, you know that guilt is a poor motivator. And oftentimes when we're told that we need to reach out to others, we say, if you, and we kind of talked about this a little bit, but Wyatt, if you don't reach others, you're a bad Christian. And you're living in sin, and you're like, oh, I don't want to be a bad Christian. I guess I better go, you know, even though I don't want to, I better go tell some people about Jesus. And we've got, you know, and, and we try to whip people and drive people into evangelism, and then it feels like a chore. Evangelism, sharing the good news with others, shouldn't feel like a chore. Why should it not feel like a chore? It's because the love of Christ compels us. It's because we've been so greatly loved by Jesus that we want to love others. Does that make sense? That's why, that's why we do evangelism. That's why we do what we do. So here's the next question. This isn't a whiteboard question. Don't panic. Who should tell others about Jesus? Who should tell others about Jesus? We're going to be looking at this verse a lot, but Jesus was telling his disciples to go and do what? 
He was telling his disciples, go make disciples. So some people are like, oh, well, Jesus told that to the disciples. I was not one of his original disciples, so therefore I'm off the hook. What does it say? He says to go make disciples, baptizing them. So the first thing you do after you're saved is you're baptized. So baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then what does he tell the disciples to do with the people that they're discipling? Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. What is Jesus doing in this passage? He's commanding them to do something. So if the disciples were to teach their disciples to obey everything Jesus commanded him, and that was a command, guess what? That's a lot of circular, that's a lot of circles right there. But it all comes down to the fact that we're supposed to do what Jesus told his disciples to do. So it's us. It's us. So here's the next question, right? If all Christians are supposed to tell others about Jesus... How are we doing? This is a really kind of sad statistic. This is a really sad statistic. Um, 80% of Christians agree that they have a personal responsibility to share their faith with others. First off, I'm like, what's up with the 20? Like, like, do you live under a rock? Have you not read the Bible? Right? But a lot, the, major, the overwhelming majority of Christians, 8 out of 10 Christians, believe that they... Yeah, we should tell others about Jesus. But look at this. 61% of all Christians, two out of every three Christians, have not shared their faith with someone in the past six months. Houston, we have a problem, right? If 80% of Christians agree that they should share their faith, but only 39% are sharing their faith, What's up with that? What's up with that? So, why do you think that happens? Why are we doing so bad? Does anybody have any suggestions? Why do you think we're doing so bad? Don't look at the next page. Chase? I honestly think it's because people are scared of what other people will think of them if they tell the gospel to their friends that aren't Christians that, are, that go to school in these popular groups, and we're just afraid to be bold with our faith. Yeah, so fear. I think that's a, that's a legitimate concern, and I think that has a lot to do with it. You think there's any other reasons? Drew has one over here. Because they're hypocrites. Because they're being hypocritical? Well, yeah, they're, they're obviously being hypocritical if they're not doing what God's called them to do. Um, Dylan. Maybe it's just pure laziness. Like. Oh, yeah, laziness. That's a good one, too. I, I want to give you a couple reasons that I, I, I see and I think. Um, so what's wrong? Um, <laughs> uh, one is bad experiences and bad examples. Um, maybe you tried to share your faith with somebody, and it was like, you know, it just didn't work out. So you're forever kind of jaded, and you're like, hey, I tried that once. <laughs> I got so embarrassed, I'm never doing that again. Some of us have bad examples. We've been around Christians all our lives that have never shared their faith with anyone. So we just think it's the norm. Uh, maybe you've had a bad experience. You went to one of those, like, camps, or you went to one of those, like, a church service. We don't do it here, but somewhere else where, like, they had, like, a like 30, 45-minute, hour-long altar call. And the, there was, like, an evangelist there, and he was, like, like, trying to twist everybody's arm to get saved. Or you went to some event where they, like, you know, took you in and demonstrated what hell was like, and then they wouldn't let you out of the room until you, like, accepted Jesus as your Savior. Um, you've had a bad experience, and you're like, that's just not for me. Um, another reason, I think, is because we're just not living for Christ. And we don't care. Apathy. 
Apathy means, it, it, yeah, it comes from the Greek word pathos, which means to care. A means not, so mean not caring. A lot of us, we just don't care. We're too, we, we care more about Xbox than we do about unsaved people. You know, we care more about you know, The Bachelor than we care about unsaved people. Some of us just flat out don't care. Um, another one, you're in a bad relationship with God. You're struggling in your faith, and you're running away from God. You want to know a telltale sign that someone is, is running away from God and someone is slipping spiritually? It's when they used to share their faith with others, and they used to invite people to church, and they're not anymore. So some people are just running away. And then Chase hit on this one. Some of us are afraid of others. We're afraid of what people are going to say. Like, what if I forget the words and people laugh at me? Like, what if they're smarter than me? What am I going to do? So I, th- I think those kind of feed into what we, you know, why we're so scared. You know, remember this. Remember this. There is a, we should fear God more than we should fear men. Um, the gospel message is offensive, but we have something going for us. And we're going to talk about it tomorrow, the Holy Spirit. But how do we fix it? I think, that's the big, I think that's the big question. How do we fix it? I'll talk about the feet here in a minute. But how do we fix it? How do we fix it? You'll see this in your notes. Though. How do you fix it? The first thing we have to do is we have to confess. We confess and we, we tell God, God, I'm sorry for not obeying your great commission. Be specific about it. Don't just be like, God, I'm sorry. I haven't maybe done as much as I should, but I've been very um, distracted, and um, I'm sorry, and help me do better. No. Say, Father, I am sorry that I am not obeying your great commission. I understand and I realize that is your central, one of the central commands for, for me right now from you, and I, I, I'm sorry, and I, I, with your help, I will share my faith with others. Confession, you've heard me talk about this before. The word in the Bible, especially in in most of the occurrences in the Bible, it's the, it's the word homologeo, which means to agree and have the same mindset as someone else. So when you confess your sins to God, it means you're not coming up with your lame excuses for not sharing your faith. It means you're, you're saying, okay, God, th- I, I agree with you. This is what you would have me to do. I'm sorry for what I did. The next thing we have to do is repent. We need to change. A lot of us, we get to the point where we confess and we know we're not doing what we're supposed to do. But do we ever make a change in our life? Repentance means I'm so disillusioned and I'm so sick of what I've done and my disobedience from God that I'm going to turn around, go another direction, and obey God. So what's the plan? We're actually getting through this a lot faster than I thought we would. This is good. This is good because we can spend more time on this. Um, What's the plan? There are all kinds of methods that you can use to share your faith. You know that God is a creative God? I mean, look in the mirror. There's only one of you. That may be a good thing, you know. Look in the mirror. God is a creative God. When I look in the mirror, I remember that God has a sense of humor. Um, But God is an incredibly creative God, and he's blessed each of us with certain gifts and certain abilities for the primary reason of, A, building up our brothers and sisters in Christ, and B, sharing the gospel. There are some incredible ways to share the gospel and to prepare the hearts of people. And as we go over these, I want to give you, like, a little disclaimer. You know how at the end of the radio commercials, there's that guy that reads faster than you could ever even listen? Yeah. He, he, he's like, he's, he's like uh, this applies to base model vehicles, MHRP, blah, 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 and you can't even understand what he's saying. I need to give you a little disclaimer here. We're going to talk about some ways to reach others, some methods to reach others. But I want to give you a quote. You probably would 
find him to be boring because he's an old guy. He's actually a dead guy. Um, he's an author, and his name was E.M. Bounds. He wrote this book on prayer that if you read it, it's going to, like, rock your world. But in this prayer book on prayer, he wrote this about methods that we use. He says, men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. So before we talk about these methods and like here's, here's how you should share your faith and here's the words you need to say, remember that you have something greater than a method inside of you. You have God inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you who will give you words to say, to share the gospel that maybe won't even be here and methods that no one else has come up with. So remember that the greatest way that you can reach out to others is be where you need to be with God and be a spirit-filled man or woman of God who's living right and doing right. All that said, here are some ways that we can share the gospel with others. Um, the first is servant evangelism. That's why I have the feet up here. How many of you all are like me and you find feet to be incredibly disgusting? Like the word foot fungus, just like, I mean, you don't want to eat for five days now because I said foot fungus. Um, you, you know, like, like toes and feet disgust me. Maybe, maybe some people, y'all are like, I love feet, you know. I don't like feet, okay? Have you ever seen those things that you, you girls use? It's like sandpaper for your feet. And you're like, it's, it's like a cheese grater. You know, that is so disgusting. Oh, okay, I'm, okay, I'm done. I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. When Jesus came to this earth, when Jesus came to this earth, he came as a servant. Jesus had 12 disciples, 12 men. And one day after a long trip on dusty roads with their sweaty feet with sandals on that probably had accumulated because when you have sweaty feet and sandals, your feet become sticky and they accumulate all the dust from walking across the Middle East. Jesus and his disciples got into a house. They sat down. Jesus was a leader. Jesus was God. He picked up a bucket of water and a rag. He got on his hands and knees, and he washed the feet, those disgusting feet of each of his disciples. He washed the feet of Peter, who would deny him. He washed the feet of Judas, who would betray him. He washed the feet of Thomas, who would doubt him. Jesus came to this earth as a servant. He died as a servant. When we share the news about Jesus, we're sharing the message of a servant, and we are servants of the gospel. So when we talk about servant evangelism, it has to do with meeting the immediate physical needs of people. If you read the, if you read the gospels, what you'll see is Jesus, he healed the lame, and then he gave him the truth. When you read about Jesus, you see that he restored the sight of the blind, and then he gave the truth, and he fed people who were hungry, and he gave him the truth. Jesus did meet immediate physical needs. Something that we're going to be, some of, us, some of you are going to be doing this weekend is you're going to be meeting immediate physical needs of people at the city mission and at Markham Terrace. Some of you are going to be giving clothes to people who don't have enough clothes. And some of you, when you give that little bag of popcorn to that kid at the city mission, although they do feed them at the city mission, a lot of these kids are not accustomed to just having food, just to randomly eat when they want to. You're going to be meeting some immediate physical needs. And that's great. 
and that can open up the doors to sharing the gospel. Um, it's been said, and I like this saying, some people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. What we're going to be doing tomorrow is we're going to demonstrate to them how much we care in hopes to win an audience to share with them what we know. So servant evangelism just simply means serving people. It means being willing to even go down to the point where I'll wash Chase's feet if that's his need, if that opens the door to give him, a go- to, to give him the gospel. So there's servant evangelism. Whiteboard question. You guys fall asleep yet? Whiteboard question. <clears throat> Come up with one way, one way that you can serve someone. That's supposed to say others, not other. How can teen- a teenager serve others to share the gospel? Come up with one practical way you could meet the immediate physical needs of someone. You got 30 seconds. All right, five, four. You got your slide backwards, Dylan. You whiteboard backwards. Five, four, three, two, one. And. Okay, Kaylee got hers up this time first, so I'm going to. Oh, I like this one. We're going to talk about this one a little bit, too. Invite them to church. Some people need family. And you know what we have here? We have a spiritual family. Invite them to church. I'm going to go right here. Tell in school. Tell in school. I like that one. Um i got to start just working around here. Grace is still working on her, so Cassie says, feed them. Sounds like an ogre thing. Feed me. Feed them. That's a great way. Grace says, guess what? Feed them. So you guys are right on the same page. Share the love of Christ. The Jimmies say, let them know how much you care about them personally. Talk to them personally. Jed, you had a big old list. Now you just have one. Okay. Be a Christ-like influence. That's good. I thought that said the lawnmower. Um, <laughs> but I, free lawn work. Go cut Grandma Fanny's grass when it gets to be about yay high. You just don't, don't charge her any money. Just do it. Just do it. Um, Ainsley says, invest in others' lives. People that have no one, invest in their lives. Um, Dylan says, interest them and in food. Food is a big one. Buy them a meal and share the gospel. Josh, you have a question? You have an answer? You can share your story. You can share your story. We're going to be talking about that too. You guys are already on it. You guys already know this stuff. Okay, that's great. Here's another way. Relationship evangelism. I put that slide up there just for you, Victoria. Uh, relationship evangelism. <laughs> now, let, let me, uh, let, <laughs> let, me um, <laughs> let me clarify what I mean by this. I do not mean romantic relationship evangelism okay don't don't do this pattern don't date disciple and dump okay don't do that that's that's not what this means okay this means this means that the people that you know the people you know need Jesus so family members teammates classmates people you work with people at the gas station Think about, and here, here's what I hear a lot of times from some of you guys. You're like, hey, I'm a middle schooler. I'm a homeschooler. I go to a Christian school. 
I'm surrounded by Christian people at my Christian school. <laughs> I went to a Christian school. I know that's a lie. Um, yeah, um, but I don't have any people that I can share Christ with. And we're going to talk about this on Sunday morning more in, in more detail, but can you tell me every person in your house is saved? Maybe every person in your house is saved. So can you tell me every person in your extended family is saved? Can you tell me the lady that checked your, um, that checked your DVDs out at Walmart is saved? Can you tell me your teacher is saved? What would happen if rather than those people that we just kind of pass on by, we actually tried to establish a relationship with them? And they got to know that our lives have been changed by Jesus. Relationship evangelism. So this is going to prompt another question. Okay? First names only. Out of your table, pick one person. First names only on your whiteboard. Name someone you know that needs Christ. Just put their first name down. This isn't about narking on people. But, but just put, your, put their first name down. You'll have 15 seconds for this. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. Okay. We'll start with the Jimmies over here. They have to be overachievers. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, that works too if you want to do one per person. Okay, that... that Whatever, whatever. Um, Angel, Tyler, Cody, and Morgan. Matthew's table over here, Kim. Jed's table, Anthony. Uh, Blake's table, Austin. Can you, can you help me with these names, George? Kwong and Hamza. Grace is praying for Matt. Not me, I don't think. but um, Phil, Scott, Jeff. And Tyler, Kensley, everyone, thank you guys, Tyler, Chelsea, Anthony, Salem, and Shannon. That says Jay, Anthony, and Hunter. I don't know how many names we came up with, but I think we just came up with like 14 or 15 names of people who need Christ. And we say we don't have people in our lives that need Christ. If you don't have people in your life, there's somebody at your table that has someone in their life. Start fishing out of their pond. They won't report you to the game warden, I promise. So the next one we're going to look at, lifestyle evangelism. I, this is another one I need to preface. There's a quote out there that you've probably seen on Instagram because it looks really pretty on Instagram. It's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi because he was a sissy because he wouldn't use his words to share the gospel. But he's got this quote that says, <laughs> he's got this quote that says, maybe you've heard it before, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. It's, what he's trying to get across is live a life that communicates the gospel to others. And that's kind of cool to think about. It's cute. It's great in theory. But what does, and I think I've got it down here, what does Romans chapter 10 say about the gospel? Chase is all over this one. This is his bread and butter. You don't have to quote it, but can you just tell me? To preach the gospel to those who have not heard. It says to preach the gospel, and it says faith comes by. Anybody know this one? Faith comes by. Hearing. 
hearing. Not by watching, by hearing because the words of the gospel have to be communicated to others. So before I get into this lifestyle evangelism, saying preach the gospel and when necessary use words is like saying breathe and when necessary use oxygen. You know, you can't have one without the other. But you've probably known someone who said they were a Christian, but because of the life they lived, they were a detriment to someone coming to Christ. They're like, I'm not going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to pick on George here. I'm not going to believe on Jesus because George is a Christian. But man, he, he, he goes to the same parties everybody else at Huntington East goes to. I was just picking on George. I don't think George goes to wild, raging Huntington East middle school parties. But um, <clears throat> our lifestyle can either make or break our ability to witness. So what does your life say? What does your life say? So here's, here's another whiteboard question. Some of you were reading ahead. I realize that. But how should Christians live out their faith? I'll give you 30 seconds on this one. Because it's a little bit broad and ambiguous, I know. How should Christians live out their faith? How should Christians live out their faith? Ten seconds. Ten seconds. I'm going to start back here. I haven't got to start back here yet. And, and all right, I'm going to start with Cassidy's table. Care about others and walk the walk. I like that. Matthew says, reflect Jesus. Jed says, according to biblical doctrine, practicing what they preach. That was from last Wednesday. Um, preach and do what Jesus would do. Um, be consistent with devos and prayers. I like the logo. Don't be a hypocrite. Oh. <laughs> incorporate the gospel into conversations. Man, people, you can do that? Really? No, I'm just being joking with you. That's awesome. Incorporate the gospel into conversations. Be trustworthy. I like that. Preaching the gospel. Loving others like Christ. Practice what you preach. Did I miss anybody over here? I kind of want a weird pattern. So we should, with lifestyle, here's a cool one. I like this one invitational evangelism you know what is it's weird it actually still works a lot of people if you say hey will you come to church with me you know what a lot of people do they'll try it out once they'll give it a go they'll give it a try so for some of us reaching others with the gospel is bringing them to a place where they will hear the gospel um, one thing I've learned is that people want to become a part of a family and when you come here, you get to be introduced to a church family. So you can, you can share the gospel simply by inviting people to church. So here's the next question, whiteboard question. Here it comes. What church events can you invite a friend to? I feel like a game show host. You got 30 seconds. What church events could you invite a friend to? Actually, I'm going to give you 15 seconds on that one because you should be able to figure that out pretty quick. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so let's start over here again. Ainsley says invite to small groups. 
That's a very like unintimidating place to invite people to. And the drop-ins because everybody loves drop-in. So that's good. Dylan says all groups. Oh, because it's got a bunch of caps. All groups! Um, David said outreach is where they'll see the gospel lived out. Awesome. Trey says all of them. That's all I'm going to write. Um, Super Bowl party. Hot pursuit. Wednesday night. Drop in. Super Bowl party, all of them. Victoria says all with an exclamation point. Gavin says Wednesday night. Matthew has, um, has abdicated his board responsibility to Gavin, Gavin I think. Um, Bible studies, drop in, Super Bowl. I get that abbreviation there. NST Thanksgiving, which stands for not so traditional Thanksgiving. Um, there are so many ways that we could just, we could expose people to the message of the gospel simply by inviting. So, real quick, let's review. We have some methods, right? What were the methods? Give me the first method. What was the first method? Servant evangelism. So we serve people. Sure, Trey, I heard it. Relationships. Invitational. You know what I've learned, though? Can I just tell you this? It's not like you have to pick one and say, I am just going to be a servant evangelism. Because you know what I've learned is a lot of people who have been reached with the gospel that I know, it's because somebody served them, they formed a relationship with them, through the course of that relationship they demonstrated a godly lifestyle, and they either invited them to church or they invited them to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. So usually, if you want to reach someone, you've got to do them all, right? So those are the methods. So those are the methods. And that's great, you know. But here, I know this is what you're thinking. Matt, that's all great, but when it gets down to time to get down and dirty, when it's time to share the gospel, the words of the gospel, what in the world do I say, right? What do I say? Do, do I prepare a three-point sermon and stand behind a podium and preach at them? Like, what do I say? Here's what I want to do now. We're going to look at a couple ways that you can. Why, do you have the index cards? Can you get them? Why it's going to hand you an index card? We're just going to kind of take a pause here for a minute. Why it's going to hand, this is, don't you lose this index card. You can lose your social security card. You can lose your driver's license. You can lose all the cash your parents gave you. You can lose your parents. Don't lose this card. <laughs> If you lose the card, I have no use for you anymore, Avery. So don't lose the card. Um, so every, you're going to get a card, and this is what I thought anyway. This card should fit right in your Bible. It's like the perfect size to fit in your Bible. You're going to add to this card over the weekend. So when you, you don't put anything on this card yet. When you use this card, don't take up all the space right now. Maybe take up a half a sheet with this, okay? A little more if you need to. A little more if you need to, okay? But hold on to this card. And don't write on it till I tell you to. 
<laughs> but what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain a few ways for you to share your faith, to use the words to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to share three, three ways with you. I'm going to share three ways with you. And as you're going through these, I want you to think about them, and I want you to choose one of them to make your way that you memorize for this weekend to use at the block party tomorrow, okay? So now that you have, I think most of you have your, have your index card, I want, I want to go through these with you. You've probably heard of this one before. This is the most popular one. How many of y'all have heard, maybe you don't know it, but you've heard this saying, the Romans road. Have you ever heard that? It's a way to, not as many as I thought. Okay. Uh, the Romans road. I'm going to write this up here for words. There's the Romans road. If you have your Bible, turn and look at these verses. Open up to Romans and look at these verses. If we go down the Romans road, this, they call it Romans road because all the verses are found in Romans. So if you want to share your faith with someone and you're not real confident about flipping around in your Bible, if you can find the book of Romans, all these verses are like right next to each other. Some people even circle them or they put little post-it notes on each of the pages so it's easy to turn to. But if you go to Romans chapter 3, verse 23, you can share with people their need for Jesus. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So everyone is a sinner. And everyone has a need. Then you flip over to Romans 6.23. And for this need and for this sin, there's a penalty. It says the wages of sin, the payment for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we've learned of the need. We've learned of the penalty. Then we learn about God's love. This is my verse. This is my favorite verse in the Bible. Romans 5.8. It says, but God demonstrated his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that's the good news. That's the gospel. And how, how, if someone says, well, how do I respond to that? What do I do? You go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says, if, and that's the response. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you tell the person about the need, that they're a sinner, about the penalty, the payment for sin is death. You tell them about the love of Christ, Jesus, while we were sinners, He died for us, and that they can receive that gift of salvation if they declare with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in their heart. So that's the Romans road. That's a simple one. It's all together. Maybe, maybe that would be um, um, the words that you, you, would, you would find easy to use and easy to understand. Another method is called the ABCs. Has anyone, um, has anyone seen this one? The ABCs? Um, some of you have been trained in this. A, admit you're a sinner. You want to you become a Christian? A, admit you're a sinner. We, we talked about Romans 6.23, right? Admit you're a sinner. Romans 6.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The second is, you admit you're a sinner, you believe in Jesus. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the Spirit. So you believe in Jesus, and finally you confess. Um, you declare. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, 
and believe that Christ raised from, from the dead, you'll be saved. So, I need to go this way here. Um, so those are the ABCs. Maybe you find that to be simple. There's another one. It's a longer one, but it's called the big story. You may encounter someone that has never really heard anything about Jesus, anything about the Bible, and you're like starting from square one. By the way, you as a younger generation are going to run into more of those kind of people because it's less people your age go to church than your parents went to church. So less people kind of have that background knowledge about Jesus and stuff. Here's how the big story goes. It starts literally in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1.1. It says, God created the world. And he uses Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then it says, God created us to know him, to be in a relationship with him. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that God created us in his image, in his likeness. Genesis 3, 1 through 9, it's the story of the Garden of Eden in the fall. We disobeyed God and are now separated from him because sin entered the world. And because of that, there's an emptiness in every person. And everyone looks for something to fill that emptiness. We also know that that sin in Romans 6.23, it separated us from God and it results in death. And here's the good news. Here's where the gospel comes in. Um, John, uh, John 1.14 through 3.16. You don't have to necessarily read all the verses with them, but you can show them that it's there. God became a man. John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and took the penalty of our sin himself. God so loved the world that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life because he sent his son. By confessing and repenting of our sin, we can be forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And now that you've been cleansed by Jesus, you make him the Lord of your life. Luke 3.23, he says, Jesus tells his disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So that's called... The big story. So, here's, here's what I want you to think about. Which of these methods seems most, this is not a whiteboard question, but it's a prompt, so we're going to take like about a, a minute and a half to two minutes. Pick one of these. Pick one of these. The Romans Road, the ABCs, or the big story. And I want you to copy that over to your to, to your index card. Copy it over. Um, maybe arrange it in a way that you could understand it. But I want you to hold on to this. I want you to look over this so that if you have the opportunity to share the gospel with someone tomorrow, you'll have the words to say. So I'll turn on a little music while you do this so you can, you, you can focus.
Okay, about another 30 seconds. You guys need more? How many of y'all need more, a little bit more time than that? Okay. You're the slow test takers, right? <laughs> That's okay. I'll give you a little bit more time. We're doing good. How many of y'all are doing the big story? I'm just curious. Okay. All right, guys, 30 seconds. Sorry. I know everybody hates me. <laughs> I know everybody hates me. Five, four, three, two, 
One. And. Okay. Um, just curious. Just curious. How many of you picked the Romans Road? Put your hands up. If you're a Romans Roader, how many of y'all did the ABCs? How many of y'all did the big story? We got a pretty, uh, a, a, a pretty diverse group here. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you weren't able to copy it all, um, take your notes home with you and finish it up because it, it will be important to have tomorrow. Um, tomorrow you'll want to bring your Bible and you'll want to bring your card with you in your Bible. Okay? So, we've talked about the methods. Talked about the methods. What are the methods? We serve. We pursue relationships. We live lifestyles that honor Christ. And we invite. Those are the methods. Our words. You got to speak the gospel with words. So some you, we could use the Romans Road, the ABCs, or the big story. Here's the next thing that we often overlook. We talked about the big story, but there's another story that's important to this conversation. You know what story it is? Your story. Your story is awesome. You know, um, the lesson, the gospel presentation for the Bible clubs, you know who wrote that lesson? Mr. Trey over there. Yeah. And he wrote, you know how he did it? He did it by sharing his story. He did it by sharing his story. And this is what I want to tell you about your story. Um, maybe you were saved out of a very bad life of sin. But a lot of us in the room, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us in the room, maybe you're like me and you, you grew up in a Christian house. Like I grew up in a house where my dad was like one of the pastors at the church. So I grew up in a Christian house and when I was five years old, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And when I was five years old, I wasn't hooked on crack. I wasn't living the rock and roll life, right? I was five. But here's what happened. My story is just like your story. This is what's important about your story. Your story is a miracle. Because without Jesus, no matter how bad you were, you were still a sinner. Without Jesus dying on the cross, your final destination, every person in the room, without Jesus dying on the cross, your destination would be hell. So I don't care when you were saved, I don't care how old you were, this is what your story is. You are a walking, talking, living, breathing miracle. Because God saved you. And people need to hear about that. So when you're talking about what Jesus did and you, you've got the right methods and you're using the right words, help them understand that this is something that happened to you too. And the same miracle that happened to you can happen to them. So don't forget that. This is one of the crucial points. The wrap-up. Okay, so you've, you've served someone. You've shared with them the words of the gospel and you've shared with them your story. And now you're kind of at that awkward point. Do you say, see ya? Um, do you just turn around, walk away, and leave? <laughs> do you put a French fry in your mouth and act like you can't talk? Like, like what, do, what do you do? What do you do? You wrap it up. You wrap it up. You've got to understand that not everyone, just because you share the words of the gospel, not everyone is going to accept those words. Um, the gospel is an offensive gospel. It's, it's, a, 
it's a controversial thing because you're telling someone that they are a sinner. You're making an exclusive claim that the only way to God is through Jesus. So remember that. So, so there's going to be a point in time where you need to wrap it up. What I would always encourage you to do, no matter what the response is to the gospel, is to wrap it up with prayer. If someone does not seem to be responsive, responsive to the gospel, you know what you can do? You can say, hey Joshua, is there anything I can pray about with you? You'd be amazed at how people open up and they share with you the struggles that are going on in their life and you have the opportunity to serve them by praying for them, to establish a relationship by learning more about their life, by leading a lifestyle that honors God by presenting prayer to them and by doing that you're creating another invitation so always offer to pray for the person always offer to pray for them um, and here's another thing you need to think about so after you after you when you're thinking about wrapping it up this is a word that we don't use very often I'm having trouble spelling it I think I got it right you need to discern you need to understand and you need to think about is this person interested in what I'm saying or are they like is this guy going to get it over with so I can go home and get his spiel over with you got to understand you've got to learn how to gauge people and here's how you do it by the way before you do this before you go out and before you witness you pray for wisdom so that the Holy Spirit will lead you and to understand what's going on in the life of that person so you be dis- you be discerning too often people are just like twisting other people's arms and people will pray some prayer just to get people to leave them alone. That's not what we want. What we want is for people to truly respond to the gospel. So I put down on these notes a couple signs that would tell... Man, I'm way off in my slides here. Um, that would tell you if someone's ready. If they understand that they've sinned. If they want their lives to be changed. If they're ready to give their lives to Jesus forever. It's not just some like, oh, everybody else is getting saved, so I think I want to get saved. But they understand they want to give their lives to Jesus forever and they want to make a lifelong commitment. And they're willing to do anything God wants them to do with his help. So be discerning. Are they ready? Are they ready? And then as we do that, we invite them to pray. Either way, whether it's here or whether it's here. As often as you can, end a conversation by offering to pray with someone. If they, um, if they indicate that they want to respond to the gospel and they want to become a Christian and they want Jesus to be Lord of their life, what I've put down here, I would invite you to copy it over to your card is a model prayer. Let me help you to understand something. Simply repeating the words that someone else says does not save anyone. How how are you saved? If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Christ raised Him from the dead. A prayer is simply an outward expression of what's going on inside. But offer to lead someone in a prayer and help them as they put together their first prayer, their salvation prayer. And I have a model prayer down here that you can use. It says, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I realize I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. And I believe that you can take it all away. 
Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. Please come into my life right now and save me. Please change my life and make me into the person you've called me to be. I recognize you as the king of my life. Amen. Wouldn't it be awesome, by the way, if someone prays that prayer tomorrow? Let me try that again. Wouldn't it be awesome if somebody prays that prayer tomorrow at the city mission or at Markham Terrace? Wouldn't that be incredible? There's one more step, though, for us as evangelists. Man, if that happens, it's great. Someone prays that prayer, it's awesome. But before we pull out the strobe lights in heaven and have a party, there's one thing you need to think about. I'm going to put it down here. Stay close to them. What did Jesus say? Did he say, go and make converts? Did Jesus say, go get people to pray a prayer? He said, go do what? Make disciples and then leave. Put a notch in your belt. Put a little tally mark on your wall of people that you've led to Christ. It says, make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that means you got to bring them to church. You get them involved in a local church, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. How ridiculous would it be for you to give birth to a baby? I mean, some of you are guys, so that would be real ridiculous, right? Uh, but how ridiculous would it be to give, a, give birth to a baby and say, well... I've done my duty. I think I'm going to go home and rest off this pregnancy. And you just walk off and leave the baby. That'd be pretty ridiculous, isn't it? That's what some people do. Some people are like, I led, five, I, I led 50 people to the Lord last year. And you're like, where are they? They're like, I don't know. <laughs> We're supposed to make disciples of people. We're supposed to teach people the commands of Jesus and help them follow Jesus. So, hey, it would be so awesome if someone prays tomorrow calls out the name of the Lord, believes Him and receives. But you know what you've done? Those of you that deer hunt, you'll understand this. It's like shooting a deer. Once the brown is down, the work begins. Once someone prays, gives their life to Christ, the work begins. We need to stay close to Him. We need to teach Him how to follow Jesus. So think about this. Visualize this. We have methods. We're going to do these methods tomorrow. We want to serve them. We want to form relationships with them. We want to live out the life of the Christian. We want to invite them. We want to present the gospel with words and share our story with them. We're going to pray with them. We're going to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit to determine if they're at a place where they're ready to receive Christ. If they are, we're going to lead them in a prayer, and we will never give up on them. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. That's obedience. And that's the end of Evangelism Lab, part one. Tomorrow it's going to be a lot more interactive. Tomorrow we're going to be standing up and sitting down and moving around a lot more, I promise. Tonight it was just an overload of information. But here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to take that card and I want you to put it in your Bible. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. If there was something you missed tonight or something you wish you would have written down, we're recording all these and we're going to put them on the podcast so you have them for later. So you, you can refer back to them later. And we're going to put these notes on the app too. So if you lose your copy of the notes, we'll put the notes on the app. But we're going to go downstairs. Um, you know, how many of y'all have, know where your service group is? How many of y'all know what your service Open your binders. Look at the service group page so you know. Downstairs, you're going to find a classroom with your service group on it. Here's what we're going to do, guys. And this is going to be incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important that we all listen. So everybody listen up real quick, okay? When you go downstairs and you get in your groups, here you've got two, there are two things you need to do. First, you need to get all your supplies together and ready to go. Once your supplies are together and ready to go, put them in the middle of your room and pray over them. Don't pray for the supplies. Pray for the people that they're going to reach. Get your group together and pray. And when you're done praying, you're going to take your supplies downstairs into the parking lot and you're going to put them carefully in the H2O trailer. So they're going to be ready to go for tomorrow. And tomorrow when we leave, we're going to hook up the van up to the trailer we're going to drag it down to Markham Terrace and down um, to the city mission. So get your supplies together. Make sure you've got everything you need. We'll have some leaders down there to, if you have any questions. Get everything you need. Pray together as a group and take your stuff to the H2O trailer. While you're doing that, um, we're going to have some snacks together and, and, and we're going to eat a little bit because we're always hungry, right? So let's, um, let's pray together. Everybody grab the hand of the people at your table. Hold hands. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Okay? Let's pray that, let's pray that what God taught us today sinks into our lives. So everybody lock hands. I'll join in on this table here. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you that your word doesn't leave us out to dry, that you tell us exactly what you expect of us. Uh, Father, I confess the times where I haven't been as passionate about making disciples as I should have been and times that I was lazy, times that I didn't care. Father, I pray that this weekend will be redemption for us. Um, this weekend will be the time where we take your great commission seriously. Um, I pray as we make sure we're using the right methods and, and we have the words down. Father, the one big thing that we need to be sure of is that we're following the lead of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll prepare our hearts. I pray that you'll burden us to reach others. And God, I pray that your gospel tomorrow will be communicated so effectively and through the power of your Holy Spirit that people's hearts will be touched and that their lives will be changed and that people will be added to the family of God tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.